Love it, love it. Oh man, it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we have been in a series that we started last week called Transformed from Useless to Useful. And we're going to continue in that series today. And so what I want to do is do a little bit of a review for you real quick, just to kind of catch you up in case you missed out last week. So last week we started looking at the book of Philemon. And it's really not just a book, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. But in this letter, we said that it was a lot like a movie. Come on, how many of you remember old school TV? Like 5, 7, 9, and 11? So, you know, you used to love to watch TV, but if you had a movie that you loved to watch, you'd go in and every single time you'd be about 30 minutes late into that movie. And so you'd catch about 20 or 30 minutes and something would always happen and you'd miss the last half of the movie. And so you missed the first half of the movie, you've missed the last half of the movie, and all you have is the middle. And the book of Philemon is just like that. For instance, before the letter was even written, Philemon, many scholars believe, in Ephesus, ran up with the Apostle Paul. He accepts Christ, gets his life changed. He goes back to Colossae and starts a church in his home. So he's got a church meeting in his home, and his slave, one of his slaves, Onesimus, actually stole from him and ran away from him. And so now you've got this thieving runaway slave, only Onesimus runs into the apostle Paul in the Roman prison. So it was in that prison that Onesimus accepts Christ as his savior. And so now you've got Philemon who has a church in his home. He's experienced life change. You've got Onesimus. He's experienced life change. And so the apostle Paul finds out the story and everything that happened. And so from the Roman prison, the Apostle Paul, somewhere around 58 to 62 AD, is writing this letter to Philemon. And he's urging Philemon to forgive Onesimus, to not look at him as a slave, but to look at him as a fellow brother in the Lord. To not look at him as someone that owes him something, but to look at him as a partner in ministry. And so again, Paul is urging him to do this. Another important fact about the book of Philemon, not only is it the shortest of all of the Apostle Paul's letters, but it is the only book that the Apostle Paul does not mention the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only letter that the Apostle Paul wrote that does not mention the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's not an oversight. The reason why he's not mentioning it with his words is because he's demonstrating it with his actions. The Apostle Paul has put himself in the place so that Onesimus and Philemon can be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. So he is actually operating in the same vein that Christ was. He's bringing them into reconciliation. So a lot of times when we talk about the death and resurrection of Christ, that is great. That's wonderful. It is all true. But my question is, are you living it out with your actions? Are you showing Christ with your actions? Actions because this is what the Apostle Paul was doing. And so last week we said, you know what, we're just going to lay a foundation. And we talked about three lessons of transformation. How do we live this transformed life? How do we receive it? And so we talked about that last week. Today, I want to talk to you about the role of perspective. The role of perspective. How do you know perspective is everything? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here. 
Lord, in these next few moments, we ask that you would open our hearts, open our minds, help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. I ran across a letter the other day that was a college student, a female college student, and she was writing a letter to her mom and dad. How many of you guys have kids in college right now? Wave at me. Come on. Yes. So here is a letter from a daughter to her mom and dad. She says this, Dear mom and dad, just a quick note to tell you how excited I am about semester break coming up. I also figured since I was writing, I'd share some good news from this semester. First, it turns out I'm not pregnant, and my boyfriend is not a felon after all. It was just a misdemeanor. The dorm fire was big, but everyone got out alive, and I found a great off-campus apartment with some great roommates. Todd, Jack, and Mike are great guys, and they really like me. I can't wait to see you and spend Christmas together. Signed, your loving daughter. P.S., There was never any question that I was pregnant. I don't have a boyfriend, and there was no dorm fire fire, nor off-campus apartment. I just wanted to let you know I got a C in my history class, and I wanted to put that news in perspective first. (laughs) Come on, how many of you know if my daughter wrote me that letter, there'd be some perspective when she got home? (laughs) Perspective is everything. So let's start off with a little survey. I want to do a survey with you today. And I want to talk about some of the current perspectives that we have today. And I want to challenge you to be really honest with yourself because I'm going to list four common perspectives that people have. And I want to know which one of these thoughts dominate your perspective. So if one of these dominate your perspective, you're going to say, yes, that's me. Number one, fearful thoughts. Fearful thoughts dominate your perspective. You find yourself worrying about everything. You worry about finances. You worry about your marriage. You worry about not being married. You worry about your kids. You worry about your grandkids. You worry about the economy. You worry about health. You worry about your job. You worry about your car. And if you have nothing to worry about, you worry about that. How many of you could say, fearful thoughts dominate my perspective? Here's the second one, negative thoughts, negative thoughts. I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. I've got the worst job in the world. I've got the worst house. I've got the worst kids. I've got the worst husband. I've got the worst wife. My life is just bad. How many of you could say that negative thoughts dominate your perspective? But here's the third one, hopeless thoughts, hopeless thoughts. I'll never be debt free. Things have never worked out for me. They never will. I'll never have a great marriage. I'll never overcome this addiction. I'll never get out of this sin. I'll never feel good again. How many of you can honestly say that your thoughts are dominated by hopeless thoughts? But then here's the last one. Number four, peaceful thoughts. Come on, peaceful thoughts. You never worry about anything. You never blow up. You never get stressed out. Something bad happens. Immediately you shrug it off and say, God's got this. It's okay. God's in control. It works out. It always does. And so peace characterizes every area of your life. Does anybody say peace dominates my thoughts? What? 
So again, ask yourself, which one of these dominates your thoughts? Because the bottom line is this. Whatever category you fall into, perspective plays a huge role in whether or not the stuff that happens in your life, you look at it as a stumbling block or a stepping stone. And so what I want to do today is I want to learn how to get God's perspective on our own personal transformation. And in talking about perspective, when you look at God's word, if there's anyone that qualifies to talk about perspective, it would be the apostle Paul. Because when you think about Paul, here is a man who was beaten. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned with rocks, not the other. He was stoned. He spent most of his time in prison. And yet, out of all of that stuff, he never allowed it to consume his mind to the point where he walked away from God and walked away from the ministry. And as a matter of fact, he didn't just rise above the circumstances, but he turned them around for good. So, for instance, there was one time when the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And he's there and the prisoners are there. There's some guys from the island that are there and they are starting to build a fire. And the apostle Paul is putting some logs on the fire. And as he does that, the Bible says a viper latched onto his hand. Poisonous snake, deadly snake. The apostle Paul, obviously peace characterized every area of his life. He shakes off the viper and keeps doing what he's doing. Everybody around him is like, man, this guy's going to die. There's no way he can survive this. But he does survive it. And as a result, he led the whole island to Jesus Christ. There was another time when he was in prison in Philippi. And the apostle Paul and Silas, they were in the inner dungeons of the prison. They had been beaten. They were there. It was cold. And yet at midnight, the Bible said, they did what? They sang praises to God. And in the midst of that situation, God sent an earthquake. The power of God hit the prison cell. The gates flung open and a revival started because they were willing to look at that moment to say this is a praise moment. There was another time while he was in the prison in Rome. It was at that place that he wrote most of the New Testament. So you understand, Paul understood about the power of perspective. And so what I want to do today is spend just a few minutes about what, and kind of look at some of the things that Paul wrote, and look at three principles that we can apply to our life, and then go back to Philemon and see how we can tie all of this together. So let's look at some requirements to have God's perspective. What are some requirements to have God's perspective? Number one, I must understand that transformation starts in the mind. Transformation starts in the mind. Statistics say that the average person has anywhere from 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. The majority of those thoughts are negative. So think about that. 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, most of those thoughts are negative. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you're like me, you oftentimes wonder, what does it mean not to conform to the patterns of this world? What he's talking about is the pattern of our thinking. The pattern of our thinking. So what is the pattern of your thinking? Is it fear? Is it stress? Are you overwhelmed right now? Is it frustration? Is it joy? Is it hope? What is the pattern of your thinking? Because our thoughts are like a train. 
They come in and we decide whether we're going to get on that train or not. And sometimes that train comes through and we say, you know what? I'm just going to get on the train and ride it. And we ride that train all day, every day. So you have a negative thought that comes into your mind and you have jumped on the negative train and that thing is bombarding you to the point where you can't sleep at night. You can't function during the day because all you can think about is the negative thoughts that are bombarding your mind. So we have to make a decision every single day. Am I going to be the conductor? Am I going to be the driver of this train? Or am I just going to sit in a seat somewhere and just let this train take me wherever it wants to take me? You know, it's interesting. Our youngest son, Aiden, seven years old, He has a statement that he makes all the time. He'll do something, and I'll look at him and say, Son, why did you do that? He'll say, I can't help it. I'm like my mom. (laughs) I said, Well, son, I get that. I understand that. But don't we do that a lot as adults? I mean, think about it. We go through life and a negative thought comes in or something happens in our lives and we react to it in a way that is not according to God's will. And we just simply say, well, I just can't help it. Can I just encourage you today to step up and take ownership of the decisions that you make in life? Step up and take ownership because we get to decide what train we're going to ride on in our minds. We get to decide what are the thoughts that we're going to follow through on. So again, what are the patterns of your thoughts today? What is that? See, I believe that our thinking determines our destination. Our thinking determines our future. But here's the problem. We want God to come in and change everything on the outside. But God says, I need to change the way you think first. I want you to have my perspective. That's why Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So if I want God's destiny for my life to come to pass, if I want to be everything that God's called me to be, I have to give negative thinking an eviction notice. I have to say, you know what? I'm not getting on the negative train. I want to get on the positive train. I want to have God's perspective. So in other words, if I want to have God's perspective, I got to be willing to look past all of the stuff that's happening in my life right now to look to something that good that can come out of all of that. Here's how Paul puts it in Philemon chapter 1 verse 15 and 16. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. I want you to notice the first three words there. Perhaps the reason... You understand that Paul's not telling Philemon here to ignore all of the stuff that Onesimus did. Onesimus did some bad things. He stole from Philemon. He ran away from Philemon. He needed to take responsibility for the things that he had done. So Paul is not telling Philemon to just get over it and ignore it. But he's trying to get Philemon to see, hey, don't stop at the bad. Look at the good that can come of it. Look at what God can do in this situation if you turn it over to him. And so here's Philemon. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in Philemon's shoes for a moment. What are the thoughts that are running through his mind? Frustrated. This guy robbed me. He, he ran away from me. He's not willing to accept what he did to me. 
Not only that, he's got pressure from all of the other slave owners at that time because in that time, 15% of the population were slaves. That was 15 million people. There were 60 million people in that day. 15 million of them were slaves. So the slave owners took a hard line with their slaves to make sure there wasn't a revolt. And so here's Philemon, and he's getting all of this pressure to maintain control. He's up under all of this pressure to do what is expected of him. And Philemon is looking at the situation thinking, I'm in a no-win situation, and he is riding the negative train. But put yourself in Onesimus' shoes. Here's Onesimus. And what are his thoughts? He's come to Christ. He's been forgiven. He's been set free. But he's still got to deal with the issues. He's still got to go back and make things right and resolve what happened. But here is his thoughts. He's thinking, man, if I go back, they're going to brand me and label me as a fugitive for the rest of my life. If I go back, they're probably going to crucify me and kill me. I'm not going to make it out alive. And he's riding that train. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see a spiritual truth in all of this. And it's not that you condone slavery because you don't, but that was a reality of that day. Some of you listening to me right now, some of you listening on podcast, you feel like a slave in your situation. The situation you're in right now, in your mind, you feel like a slave. You feel like there's no easy answer. I can't make it out. I can't see the good in all of this. And you can't see or think of a way out of this thing. All you can see is think is a probable bad outcome for you. And listen, I'm not saying that you ignore the bad and go into some fantasy land and act like that things that are actually happening in your life are not. I'm not saying that you fake it until you make it. But what I am saying is can you find a way in your mind to look past your situation to the good that God can do where you are in your life right now? And in order to do that, it requires number two. Not only do I have to change the way I think, but I have to develop proactive thinking. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So even after you change the way you think, you understand that the old negative thoughts are going to constantly fly into your mind. The bad news is you can't stop negative thoughts from coming. The good news is you can keep them from making a nest in your head. It's like the old saying, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from coming down making a nest in it. So we do have that ability to be able to do that. So how do I do all of that? Two things. I've got to recognize and replace. I've got to recognize and replace. I've got to recognize a thought that is not from God, take it captive, which means I give it an exit, and I replace it with God's promise on my life. The Apostle Paul said, hey, here's a good thing that you need to think about. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does he say? Think about these things. So Paul says, if it's good, lovely, pure, excellent, praiseworthy, that's what you need to set your thoughts to. That's what you need to be thinking about. Now, where do thoughts like that come from? They come from God's Word. When I open up God's Word and look at what God's Word says about me, then I realize that God says, hey, I'm for you, not against you. 
I read the scripture where God says, through Christ, I can do all things, and he gives me strength. God says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, it's all possible if I believe in him. So I open up his word, and I begin to take those thoughts captive, those negative thoughts. I give them an exit, but I've got to replace them with his word in my heart. Too many times what we do is we go throughout life and we just want to get rid of a bad thought. And that's a great first step. But have you ever noticed that when you just try to get rid of a bad thought and you don't replace it with something else, it doesn't take long for that thought like a boomerang to come right back around and slap you up beside your head? And how, how amazing it is how you can get out of bed in the morning and praise God, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And you're on your way to work. And one person cut you off because you didn't replace that negative thought earlier. And all of a sudden, the rest of your day is messed up. And you're not saying anything, although you know I'm telling the truth. (laughs) You've got to replace those thoughts. You've got to replace it with God's truth about you. A truth that God says, hey, I want you to be whole. I don't want you to just have life, but I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to be free. I don't want you living in fear and condemnation. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So until I believe that God wants me whole, until I believe that he wants me free, until I believe that he wants me to have his perspective, can I tell you something? You're on your own. You're on your own. That's why Jesus says it's according to your faith. It's according to your faith. So this journey to health and wholeness and having his perspective and having freedom, it all starts in our mind. We have to learn to take captive the thoughts that block his perspective. We have to recognize and replace. We replace it with the truth of who we are. Number three, I must submit my thoughts to the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it on your own. No matter how hard you try. Come on, how many of you remember, remember your, your, your BC days? Come on, before Christ days? You remember how bad you were? You remember how bad you used to be? Yeah, one of you, one of you. A lot of times we try to do things in our own strength, in our own power. We felt like, you know what, I can overcome this. I can get over that. That's no problem. I can do this. Only to find yourself being stuck back in a rut every single time because you're relying on your own strength, but you have to submit it all to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. If a person's thinking is controlled by his sinful self, there is what? Death. But if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there is life and peace. And let's be honest for a minute. That little survey we did at the beginning of the message, I think it's pretty clear if we were all to just raise our hand and say which one categorizes you, number one, two, or three, and then you check number four as kind of a last, but those one, two, and three thoughts, if you did that, I wonder how many people would actually be controlled by a sinful nature that leads to death or by the Holy Spirit that leads to life. How do we change that? How do we change all that? How do we get transformed from a person whose perspective is controlled by a sinful flesh to someone who lives in God's perspective? Well, let's go back to the letter. Let's look at Onesimus. Here he is. He's come to Christ. He realizes that in order to be completely free, he has to deal with past issues. So he's going back to Philemon and he's begging for mercy. 
because he understands that in order to get this right, I've got to deal with these issues. But the apostle Paul also realizes that more than likely this guy's going to get beat. He's going to get crucified. And so if Paul is writing a letter to help Philemon to get God's perspective on the situation. And so if you're in here today, understand transformation starts in your mind. You got to develop proactive thinking. How do I do that? You recognize, you replace. I've got to submit my thoughts to the Holy Spirit. And yes, when you do all of that, here is evidence that you have God's perspective. There's two things that shows evidence that you have God's perspective. Number one, you believe there is a good to look forward. Toward, excuse me. You believe there's a good to look toward. Because hear me, if you don't believe that a good thing can come out of that situation, you're not going to see it. It can happen right in front of you and you'll never see it because you don't believe that it can happen. It's kind of like, you know, when my kids wanted to go back to school and, and they said, you know, we got to have new clothes, we got to have new shoes. And they said, you know, we don't want to get what everybody else is wearing. So they do some research and they say, okay, this is the shoes we want. These are the pants we want. This is the shirt we want. We've got it all. Man, we are going to be an original, yo. When we step into that school, nobody's going to have what we have. Only to find when they stepped on campus, 10 other people had what they had on. Isn't that how it works? It's almost like when you go car shopping. You want something different. You don't want what everybody else has got. You want a different color. So you do the research. You buy the car, and you're like, this is an original. I'm great. Only to stop at one stop sign and see five other people with the same car you've got and the same color and the same rims. How is that? Perspective. It was there the whole time. You just didn't see it. You couldn't see it. And so here it is. You've got to be willing to look at something and say, God, there is a good that can come out of this because perspective changes everything. You remember verse 15. We looked at it earlier. And so I want to kind of, yeah, let's read it real quick. Perhaps the reason that he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Now, I want to give you Alan's translation of that scripture. Okay. So this is Alan's translation of that scripture. Paul was saying to Philemon, you're probably focusing on Onesimus and what he did and the actions that it cost you. And can I tell you something? That's where some of you are right now. You're focusing on what's happened in your life. You're focusing on a circumstance, a situation, something's come up against you. And all you're focusing on is that situation and what it has cost you. And so this is where Paul was. He was saying, hey, you're focusing on Onesimus. You're, you're just focusing on all what his actions cost you. But there's another way to look at this situation. There's God's way. So whatever you're going through in life right now, whatever the circumstances, whatever the battle that, that you're up against right now, let me tell you, there's always another way to look at that situation. There's always a way that God has for you to look at that situation. What is that other way? Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him who have been called according to his purpose to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And so here's the Apostle Paul, and he's saying to Philemon, listen, God didn't cause any of this to happen to you, but he's not going to waste it. God can turn that thing around if you'll let him. 
One of my favorite scriptures in the, in the Bible is Genesis 50, 20. What the devil meant for bad, God can turn that thing around into something good. So what is your situation right now? What are you focusing on? What is coming against you right now? Can you look at it another way? Can you just believe that there's a God in heaven that can take that bad situation in your life and turn it around into something good? Can you believe that? I thought about my cousin. And many of you know the story. Some of you may not know the story. But my cousin was a porn shop owner. He, he owned several porn shops. And God got to messing with him and God got to dealing with him. And several years ago, he came into the old building that we had here. It was the old, he came in and he sat right over there in that corner at the end of service. And he was just sitting there. And at the end of service, Missy and I walked up. I was greeting him. Hey, how you doing? And he had tears streaming down his face. Tears streaming down his face. Someone that people looked at and said, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything good. You'll never have anything other than, you know, finances because he was very wealthy. And he sat there, gave his heart to the Lord, went on and got baptized, went on, sold every shop that he had, and went on to go to Liberty University. He has two master's degrees, and he is a Christian counselor right now. Can you believe that the situation in your life, that God can turn it around into something good? I don't care what people have said about you. I don't care how much they've put you down. I don't care how they've overlooked you and said you're useless. You'll never amount to anything. God's power can transform you into something useful today if you can look past the bad to something good that God can do. You got to look for it. God will use a problem and turn us to something amazing if we can just believe it. Again, Paul, whatever's true, noble, right, praiseworthy, he said, lock in on that thing. Take those fearful thoughts captive, those negative thoughts, those hopeless thoughts. Take them captive and believe that God can do something amazing. How many of you know if you look for the bad, you're going to find it? But if you look for the good that God is doing all over the world, you know what? You're going to find that too. It's almost like releasing a buzzard and a hummingbird. How many of you know that buzzard is going to find something dead and decaying? But the hummingbird is going to find something with life, something sweet, something flourishing. Here's the point. They find what they're looking for. So can I ask you today, what are you looking for in life? Maybe there's another way to look at the circumstance and the situation that you're in right now. So I've got to believe that there's a good to look toward. Here's the second thing. I've got to pray for God's perspective when I don't see it. God, I need your perspective. I need your perspective. Paul told Philemon, he said, you know, hey, I could order you to forgive Onesimus. I could order you to, to just overlook it and, and not have him to owe you anything. He said, but I want this to come out of your relationship with God. He said, I want you to pray and let Philemon 1.11, which is our key verse. He said, I want that to come alive in your heart. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful. I wonder how many people have said that about you. Have you ever had someone to look at you and say, you'll never amount to anything? You'll never be anybody? 
Can I tell you something? Philemon 1.11. Get you a marker. Draw it across your arm. Draw it across your chest if you're a guy. Draw it somewhere. Formerly useless, but now useful. By the power of God. You can have a transformed life today. If you're willing to commit to look past the bad to all of the good that can come from it. If you believe that God wants to weave everything into your life. He wants to weave that into a pattern of good. And you just pray and say, God, help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see how you're moving. Help me to see how you're working. Help me to see that. You know, I was overseas in Ecuador. And we had some people that were here from the church and we were there. And I had a moment where I was like, God, I, I just don't know. I don't know if you can move in this place. I don't know if you could do anything. I mean, you step off of, of the, the bus that they, you step off and they drop you in the neighborhood and, and the smell is, is pretty bad. And you're looking around and you're like, I, God, I don't know. This place looks pretty useless to me. And I remember God checking my spirit. As soon as I stepped off, I mean, as soon as I took a step off of the bus, he checked my spirit. He said, just watch what I'll do. Just watch what I'll do. I said, I'll tell you what, God, I said, I'll... I'm going to believe that you're going to do something great. I'm going to believe that you're going to turn this, this Hades of a place into something amazing. And that you're going to work it out for your good. And God, I pray that you'll help me see what you see. I had to pray that because I couldn't see it. And so I began to pray that in one person after another after another, after another, you would go and talk to them and all of a sudden they would begin to weep. They would begin to cry. They would give their hearts to Christ right there on the side of the street. And at the end of that time we were there, over a thousand people said yes to Jesus. Can you see it? Right there where you are, can you see it? Can you see the good that God wants to do in your life? Pastor, you don't understand. I've, I've messed up. I've, I've done wrong. I've gone in a direction I know I shouldn't have. I've, I've done this. I've done that. Listen, regardless of all of that, hear me today. Can you see the good God wants to do in your life? Because it's there. You're not too far gone for Him. Regardless of the situation in your life, Regardless of the circumstances you're going through right now, maybe your perspective right now is being dominated by fearful thoughts. Maybe it's being dominated by negative thoughts. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be anybody. I'll never be useful. Maybe your thoughts are dominated by negativity. This will never work for me. Wherever you are in life right now, can you look past all of that? Can you see the good that God wants to do in your heart and in your life? Pastor, you don't understand. I've been an addict all my life. I didn't ask you that. Can you look past all of that? Can you see the good that God wants to do in your life and in your heart right now?
I've been away from God so long, I don't even know if I can come back to Him. Can you look past all of that to say, God, I want your perspective today. You see something in me that I don't see in myself. And so God, put me in the place where you need me to be. And I'm not saying it's easy, guys. Life is hard. But wherever you are in life, perspective is everything. Let me leave you with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Our light and momentary troubles. This is the Apostle Paul. The same guy who's been beaten, who's been shipwrecked, who's been put in prison, who's been left for dead time and time again. And here he is. These light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what? We don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Where are you fixing your eyes at? Where is your perspective today? God hasn't given up on you. God will never give up on you. I don't care what people have said about you. God will never give up on you. And if you're going through a battle right now, hear me, honey, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Can you believe that God can turn it around into something good so he gets glory out of it? It's temporary. Transformation requires changing the way you think about yourself your world, and your God. Can you have God's perspective? Where are you at today? Perspective is everything. Stand with me all over the house. Father, we thank you. We love you. God, we live in a world... That oftentimes beats us up. It makes us feel worthless. It makes us feel useless. But God, we know that that.